we weren't friends. And so, I mean, we were friendly, but like we weren't these best friends who were scared of like hurting each other's feelings. It was much more like, of course, this needs to happen for the business. But we also really liked each other and we knew down the line, who knows, you know, what could happen if we have this on paper, we're good. We also went against best practices that everyone gave us. Everyone, I'm so excited to introduce you to the co-founders of Heart and Highland. We have Erica and Kristen with us today. They're LA-based, female-founded, and led creative marketing studio that helps CPG food, beverage, and wellness brands be heard, seen, and understood by their target customer. Erica and Kristen launched Heart and Highland five years ago. They now have a team of 15, and they have their studio in Santa Monica. They do the full blend of creative work, so from photo, video production, graphics, campaign concepting, as well as digital marketing to go along with it. So email, SMS, organic social, paid social influencer programs, et cetera. And they're going to tell us all about that. They've worked with brands from Partake, Health Aid, and Fancy Sprinkles, they are fully bootstrapped. They each put in $100, which I love. They've had consistent year-over-year growth since launching. And woohoo! they just hit their first million in revenue last year. And they're going for more, planning to double that this year. So let's go, Erica and Kristen. So nice to have you on. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having us. We're excited. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited as well because it's a double female co-founder team today. Thanks. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so, exciting. And I feel like that's actually like a huge part of our story. So it's fun. Definitely. So I'd love to, I already gave a brief intro, right? But I always like to invite our guests to share in their own words, who are they for the audience? So maybe one of you can start and then the other one can go as well. Yeah, sure. So, and one thing I will say, which is like crazy to say out loud, but we're actually about to be a team of 20 now. 20? Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, it's banana rama. <laughs> 20 full-timers. It's wild. Um, so I'm Kristen. I am head of creative at Heart and Highland, um, 50% of H&H. And uh, a little intro about me. My background, I actually started in ad sales. And really, I started in ad sales because when I was at USC in college, my parents, my junior year, they were like, just get a big name internship. Like, cause I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I was in business school, but I just didn't know what I wanted to do. My dad kind of always told me growing up, like, you're going to be the president of a large corporation. And I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and so I went into business school at USC undergrad was, you know, unsure. My mom's like, get a big name internship. I'm like, you got it. So I went to, um, any television as an intern in ad sales and I was a junior in college. And so I was like, these people, drink at lunch. And that is amazing. And like, they are just social and this is crazy. And like, what an amazing job. So I kind of just, after that was like, I want to be in that environment. Like I want to be in just like a social fun environment. I'm going to go into ad sales. So I went into ad sales. I was in TV at Turner Entertainment. Then about after two years, I went to digital at Sony Pictures. Then I went to Viacom and was in at, um, I was at Nickelodeon and MTV VH1. And all very heavy, like millennial focus, I would say, from an early stage. So I really kind of became more of an expert in that demo. Um, and while I loved the environment, I just was kind of bored in my day-to-day -day job. Like I was good at sales because I'm extroverted, but I wasn't necessarily like 
I love this. And so many people I remember just said to me like, well, everyone just like hates their job. It's like very normal. And I was like, oh, okay. It's just very normal. And um, I had never planned to have my own business, but I did know I just needed to do something more creative. I just loved it. I didn't, I didn't ever think of myself as creative, but I was amazed really by integrated marketing. I always felt like, oh my God, they just make things up. Like how cool is this? They just make up ideas. And it was actually the SVP at MTV's integrated marketing that said to me one day, you should go into marketing. Like I would be in brainstorms and I would have good ideas. And so she was like, you might get paid less to start, um, but you know, we work for 65 years of our life. Like what's a couple years getting paid less to then find something you love and you'll make more money in the end because you'll be happy and good at what you're doing. And that just really resonated with me. Like I think when you think of the big picture, at first you're like, oh my gosh, I'm in sales. I'm making this good money, like golden handcuffs. But when you think of the big picture, you're like what's two years out of 65, you know? So I took the advice. I actually went to a startup, which in 2013 was crazy. My dad, I remember, was kind of like, what are you doing? And I was like, it's fine. Everything's fine. And I went to an influencer marketing agency. I went over there as the creative campaigns manager, which was essentially like integrated marketing. Um, and I I loved it. I loved my job. I just came up with ideas. I then got to build out the creative and marketing team as we grew. I became the director of creative there. I taught myself photography and videography because I had hired a team of I had had an idea basically to have an in-house content studio there. We had a team that I would run, one of them being a photographer, and I felt like I need to learn it in order to know how to manage her. And then I just really fell in love with it myself. So I was doing it just for fun on the weekends and everything like that. Loved my job. We were bought by the New York Times while I was there, which was really exciting to be a part of. Um, But I was doing all the campaigns at the time for then T-Brand Studio and this company, Hello Society. And so I was, it was still like a startup. I was working really late hours which I was okay with, honestly. Like, I really, really loved it. But my husband and I became pregnant with our first son around that time. And that's when I was like, oh, like, I'm making a human being. Like, I can no longer work till midnight every night. And the company at the time wasn't going to necessarily bring on more people. And so I was like, what do I do? And my husband was the one who was like, you should build your own, essentially, like, production house because that's what I had built at the company. And I had never thought of having my own business. I was always like, what? Like, that's crazy. I just always thought I was going to work at a big corporation one day, you know? Um, So I ended up taking the jump, five months pregnant, started my business. I kind of fell back on the idea. If it didn't work out, I'll just say I took time off because I was pregnant. Um, Because at the time, also, it wasn't great to have, like, gaps in your resume, if you will, which I think doesn't matter now. But um, so I, I started really just doing photography and consulting on social for brands because I had known so much about social from working at the influencer agency and really just got lucky with a bunch of referrals, like had good people in my life who really kind of just helped me out. And some things were just right place, right time. So the first year went really well, but I'm very extroverted and I was lonely <laughs> and I was like, I need a friend. And I remember a lot of people in my life being like, don't get a business partner including my now business partner. Um, Don't get a business partner, but I just felt like it's what I needed. I just really was like, I don't want to do this alone. Uh, It's I'm not built for doing it alone. So I went to a networking group where I met Erica and her background. How you started story, because I do want to get into that. Yeah, because I think that's such a great I love I read Erica's story on your website about how you met as co-founders. So I want to get into that after, but but you you met and 
So, what, yeah, I was going to say I met Erica and her background was so impressive to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at this networking group, I just remember thinking like I, I need to talk to her because she worked with freelancers. And I remember thinking like maybe it's a freelancer and not a partner that I need though it was a partner, but I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I just have to talk to her. And so she can now dive into her background. And before you do, Erica, I just want to say a couple of things. So Kristen, such a great story. So many folks can resonate to this. And a lot of our listeners are people that are considering starting their business or other founders. And so I always like to call out the different threads because with the human experience, there's so much we can learn from each other's journeys. Mm-hmm. And I love um, what you mentioned about your, was it your boss who told you what is two years out of 65 and just prioritize the learning. And there's this phrase, right? When you're younger, you, you work to learn, not to earn. And I think that's so valuable, like such a great advice yeah. for, for kids graduating undergrad or whatnot, what you mentioned about yeah. leaving the golden handcuffs behind to pursue your passion and how that yeah. has now led you to being able to do that and making it yeah. while you're at it. And I do think an important thing to note, honestly, that I think about a lot, my parents always instilled like an insane work ethic in me, even though I didn't like my job, I gave it 110% all the way. And because of that, I think my, the people, my mentors at Viacom, for example, were very open to having those conversations with me because I said to them, listen, I'm going to give you my all still, but I don't feel like long-term this is for me. And I think that honestly, if I would give people advice is the biggest difference. I feel like a lot of people now it's like if they hate their job, they do the quiet quitting or the bare minimum or whatever it might be. And in some cases, while I understand if it affects your health or your mental health, I I get needing to like take a step back for sure. Um, But in cases of like, it's just not for you. I do feel like that made a big difference in my career being willing to be open and communicate in the right way with my team members, but also being willing to, I mean, I worked like another, I want to say like eight or nine months there while I was looking and they knew that, but they were comfortable with it because I was really giving it my all. And so I had a lot of support. In fact, the SVP there, she wasn't my boss. She was in a completely different department, but I had just been having conversations with her, trying to get advice. You know, she, she's was so talented and I just felt like, let me just talk to her as much as I can. And, and I think because I was putting in so much effort. She was really willing to give me the time. Um, and, and my team was willing to give me the time. And so without that, I don't know that I would have ever made the leap. I definitely would not have gone to a startup. I would have stayed at big companies because I wouldn't have had that advice. And so I do feel like in terms of anyone else out there who's thinking about doing something like that, that learning piece I mean, like I said, I spent months there even after I wanted to leave because of how much I was learning and 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 the relationships I was building. It was a big piece of it. And so great that you had that experience. Great yeah. Advice. Well, from- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it is so funny. Always listening to Kristen's story because mine is such the opposite in a lot of ways. That's why y'all attract. Yeah, it's such a good match. Um, so growing up, I actually always knew I wanted to have my own company and I have had how many, come? Yeah. How did you always know? Um, well, I think it was a little bit in the blood. Both of my grandfathers were entrepreneurial. Um, they both had their own companies were really successful. And, um, you know, one of my grandfathers like reinvented himself many times, but m- multiple times, um, from this 
owning his own companies. So I think that was something that was inspiring to me. I love the idea of being independent. I don't know. It was just something that I was drawn to. I like that. Yeah. Um, but I knew that it, I actually many times was be asked to kind of, or, or it was suggested like, go ahead, go off on your own. I'm like, nope, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I need to learn still. So I did all the due diligence while I was, had that dream. I mean, even as a kid, like I was the kid making, like, I remember a friend of mine, we made like, tried to make a greeting card company. I tried to sell potpourri. I sold one of my <laughs> early retail jobs. I handmade, um, uh, handbags, like hand beaded them. I sewed them. I learned, taught myself how to learn how to sew. And then I did the bags and then I sold, I got my the job that I was at to sell them on consignment. And like, and then I created is, a, um, I didn't even know all this. I actually just found I that. literally like, I sold rocks. Like, I literally <laughs> sold rocks, Erica's like, I made designer handbags. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, then, and then, um, I also did one where I was, I had this, always had this sense of being a good connector. Mm-hmm. So I was working on, this is a little bit later on in my twenties where I was like, I am going to connect creatives with businesses. So I created a company called Marka Concepts and I was like basically taking, I had worked with a photographer that I was helping her get business while I was working full time. So like that started me in that foray of like a little bit of that agency life, but that was still super early. Um, I had been really interested in clothes and fashion. And then I remember Fitum had come to my high school and I got like super interested. I'm like, that's, those are my people. That's where I need to go. And I immediately just applied there and I didn't apply anywhere else. And I got in and even during high school, I remember taking like an offsite course for retail uh, marketing. And so I did that like while I was still in high school. So I was already really interested in the the business of fashion and and marketing in that respect. Um, And then Something that the truth is, I was always kind of um, a little ashamed to share, but I now find it to be like empowering is that while I was at school and I graduated that at that time, FITM didn't have a four year degree. And so they only stopped at an AA. So I got my AA and then my instructors were like, okay, so here's where you go to transfer. This is where the credits will make the most sense. And I was like, yeah, okay. I'm, I was working full time um, and I just decided I didn't really want to keep going. And I'm like, I'll come back. I'll go back. And then I kept getting these roles. I, my first in-house role, I was like started at the bottom at in, um, I worked in wholesale sales and then um, for fashion, traveled around doing different things at trade shows and things like that after a lot, many years in retail. And then I went in-house at a junior denim brand, grew my way up from like e-commerce, um, like website manager to marketing coordinator to advertising manager. And I was managing all the media buys and placements for out of home, digital and social and all those kinds of things. And then I moved to um, a Portuguese denim brand. And in both cases, both brands were like also in the celebrity world, like we would have a lot of gifting and development with like the Hills and all these MTV shows and all these kinds of things. And then with like the Portuguese brand, Mario Lopez was like our spokesperson. So I worked with him and had him come to different events and all these kinds of things. Got more into the world of um, PR plus um, advertising in that space. And then had my first son and um, took a little mini break and I decided I couldn't just stay home. So I created a blog and I started writing content and getting content featured on like Huffington Post and things like that. I was like a (laughs) DIY craft blogger and would go to these different events and things. But then I decided it was time to go back um, to work. So I I was the director of marketing for a Fully outside of fashion was a um, recycling program slash inkjet remanufacturer, like fully like the most opposite of fashion that you wow. can get. But that's where I actually learned 
um, a lot of what I learned from about email marketing and paid on digital and lots of things because we had decent like support in terms of budget to test and to learn. And so that's where I really honed those skills. And then I was like, no, I miss, I miss pretty things a little bit too much. And I ended up taking on a director of marketing role for a luxury home furnishings brand here in um, the West Hollywood area. Um, a very well-renowned um, product designer and she, like her clients are quite extensive, including Oprah. And so there was some really fun, exciting things that we would be doing in terms of marketing um, expanded a lot in terms of that was like really the heyday of Instagram, I feel like at that point. And um, then I got pregnant with my second and um, we, instead of they basically said, are you going to come back? <laughs> and I said, uh, um what do you think about part-time? What do you think about that? And they're like, yeah, okay. Do you want to be freelance or do you want to do in-house? I'm like, mm, I'll go freelance. <laughs> and then I went and then I kept getting asked by other people in the industry because you really get to, it's a small, it's a small community to take on more marketing. So I essentially became an ex, a, like a, like a CMO for hire and mm -hmm. um, for these sort of emerging home furnishings, luxury brands and, was do, we're doing everything very hands-on, like email, paid uh, social, their advertising, their PR. And then it just turned into an agency by itself. I hired freelancers and and it was it was going well. And I was working from home. It was, I had my kid, it was like a great situation. But I also felt like I didn't want to just be on my own. So I had joined this that group that Kristen referred to. And I had been yeah. going for quite a few months before Kristen actually joined. Um, it's almost like it was like a, it was like a, a creative and entrepreneurial therapy session for three hours that you would go to once a week for a month. <laughs> and so it was really fun, but that's where we met. And what I will say what's funny about it is like, I didn't like that part of it. Like I wanted to go, I think to like really meet other entrepreneurs and mm -hmm. talk about business and like do that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't know yeah, why. Not the talk about but, feelings part. Yeah. Which is funny. Cause like, I actually love talking about feelings. Like if we can talk about feelings all day, I love it. But in that situation, I think I was just really, I was still really early on in my company. I kind of like made a like promise to myself in my first year. It was like, I have to make at least half of what I was making when I was working for someone else to know if this is going to be successful. And I was making over that. So it was really great, but I constantly just felt like I'm missing something. I need someone else who's business-minded. Like, whether people want to hear about my feelings or not, I talk about them anyway. And so like I had people to listen about my feelings, but I didn't have people in my life who also had their own businesses. And I think I really wanted that side, which is why like Erica talking about, I have this business, I have freelancers, I have, I was like wide eyed. I was like, I need to talk to her because I just felt like, wow, she's got all this experience running this business. I could get sage advice from her. And what's funny is in my first year, I had people come to me and be like, hey, we should be partners, like other people wanting to be my partner. Mm -hmm. And I always felt this like feeling in the pit of my stomach of like, this is, this is off. Like something's Not weird. Right I kind of want to run away. Yeah. Like I was I did, like kind of be like, yeah, maybe. And then it just wasn't right. My gut just told me no. Whereas with Erica, Almost immediately when I met her, I was like, so would you ever want a business partner? <laughs> so what do you think that. about business partners? And she was, she was like, never, absolutely not. 
you should never have a partner. Like, I never want that. There's so many horror stories. Don't do it. I almost want to ask like, now, Erica, why? Here? Why did you have this terrible impression of having a I just, partner? I guess I feel like you always heard horror stories. Yeah. And I was very comfortable with, I am also like a, um, a little bit of ty a type A control freak. And so I worried that I wouldn't do well, like with that. But we yeah. found... You can't, the, there's some things we can share when you're ready to, to yeah. talk about it. But like some of our, like why we think that it works. One of the reasons mm -hmm. like why we were open to it. And I will say like, there was like this whole uh, mental gymnastics in terms of like, does it like a little uh, where I thought that she had found a partner. There was this, the, I, you might've read it like you're yeah. talking about, but. Well, well tell, it, tell us the story. Cause I, yeah. I'd love to hear the story of then how you came from this for Kristen, it was such a great initial fit of what she was yeah. looking for. And then for Erica, she was a bit hesitant. And then you both came together and decided. I wooed her. Yes. Yeah. Chris, I would love to. Well, it was funny because like she talks about how she wanted to talk to me, but I immediately was drawn to her. Like from we were in a circle and on like, I don't know, maybe bar stools, random chairs. And it's like in someone's house. Right. And mm -hmm. <clears throat> Kristen's talking about her background. And like I said, my background was very much like Oh, I mean, I didn't go to, I mean, I didn't even finish my four-year degree. I didn't work at really, really large companies. I worked for smaller, medium-sized brands. Like there were, it was a very different experience. And so listening to her talk about these experiences with these like big blue chip brands and all the things that she's done and all the campaigns and all these things, I was just really impressed. So I was like, I, I just, I loved how she tells stories too. She's very good at like, like kind of getting people you know, sort of drawn in. And I don't think she means it intentionally. It's just how she is. And so I was, I was drawn. And so when we were had that time, I think, you know, um, it's funny because I always feel like I seem like I look very, very nervous when I'm talking, but no one ever seems to know. And so after that was done, I'm like an outgoing and nervous right now. FYI. I'm not actually right now, but it's funny, like over okay. time, I've gotten much less nervous, but I think maybe in a live situation than the crowd, it gets yeah. a little bit more intense, but, um, I am an outgoing introvert. So <clears throat> essentially to me what that is like to me, an introvert and extrovert is like, you either are energized by people and all of that, or you're a little bit more drained. And so for me, it's fun and I love it. I couldn't be alone all the time, but it is a little draining. And so Short I almost bursts. need to like, yeah. Like I need yeah. to go escape for a second. And so once yeah. the time that was over, the circle sharing stuff, um, you know, I'm walking around and I'm just like sort of looking and seeing what everybody's doing. We had to get in small group. We had to do like breakout groups. There, yeah. Okay. So yeah, it was like kind of casual, but not like, cause it wasn't like divided or anything. You just kind of have to figure it out. And so I was just like walking around and then Kristen, I think just noticed that I was doing that. <laughs> and, and she was like, get over here. And like, she's so, she's so observant. Yeah. And so we ended up talking and that's kind of where that conversation started. And then, yeah, I, I was pretty much like immediately like, oh no, you don't need that. Cause I was just doing my own thing, but based on what she does or did at the time, it really didn't make sense for her to do freelance. She just needed like an, an like a, an opposite of what she liked to do to also help move a business forward. You yeah. Know, I think really. I think what's funny too, thinking about it, like when I think of that time, we both like to each their own with all beliefs, but we are both big believers in like the universe and like things happening mm -hmm. the way they should. And when I even think about that time, like thinking about that, we went over and like, do you remember sitting on that? Bench? I remember that we were just like friends immediately. Yeah. And I think like 
for Erica, being that she is an outgoing introvert, sometimes it's harder for her to immediately put her guard down. But I feel like it was like kind of right away. We just were all of a sudden closed. And, you know, it just was one of those things where I felt like I didn't love the people in the group were great. I didn't love the structure of the group. Like I didn't really want to go back, but I wanted it was like important to me to stay connected to her. And I just thought there was so much synergy in what in what she did and I did. So once she said, you know, I will never have a partner, I was like, okay, oh. that's cool. But let's send clients back and forth yeah. to each other. It was kind of like a, um, in a way, like a like a smart way for us to get to know each other where we were passing each other um, clients back. And then I was putting on a, a workshop like panel. And so Kristen joined that. So that was cool. And then, um, and it was actually like a second version of one that, fully failed the first time. So I was like very happy that it worked out. Anyway, um, try and try again, right? (laughs) Don't be afraid to fail. Um, And then, um, let's see. So then I, so I honestly from that started being like, maybe should I do something? Maybe I should do something. I don't know. And so my clients at the time were awesome, but they were, they didn't necessarily have strategy. Like they would be like, okay, we need our social to blow up. And this was like when you could blow up someone's social back right, right. then in like 2017, 2018. And um, where they were like, we need our social to grow and we need content. And I'd be like, okay, what's your strategy? And they would be like, what do you mean social strategy? Like, just can you just shoot some cool things and then it'll just work? <laughs> and I'm like, no, you need like a strategy. Like, what are we doing here? And so Erica really focused in on strategy So when we were sending clients back and forth, I think like to some extent, I was really looking toward her to be like, what does she do? You know, like what is she doing as like a, as a founder? Because she had been doing it longer than I had. And I really didn't know what I was doing. And, um, I was like, okay, maybe I need to have some sort of something. And I had a friend named Jen, who's wonderful. She started her own business around the same time. And her business was completely different. It was talent and casting. But we were kind of both going through it and we were like, maybe we should do something. So we're like, let's start this series, like a founders, like women's women founder lunch series. And we'll have it be like a lunch and learn where there's like real subjects that people want to talk about, like hiring and firing and like all these Mm -hmm. things that, you know, which honestly very much Hampton-esque, which is interesting. Um, It was just like these real things people wanted to talk about. So I had reached out to Erica because we were like, we'll have people speak. And I reached out to Erica and was like, hey, I'm putting on this like lunch series. Do you want to be a speaker? But she said with a partner. I said with a partner. And so she was like, I got jealous. She's 100. She was like, um, (laughs) oh, so you're a partner. A partner. And the funny part that I always love to say is there was a a big time difference because I was in Europe at the time for a couple weeks. Yes. And yeah, around in Rome and, and we were going back and forth over email and I was like, it was like meeting a guy and you know, this whole like back and forth, like, what is it? What are they thinking? What are they, what am I saying? Am I going to, I'm going to just seem, I'm going to seem cool. Yeah. You know, like you, play yeah. it cool. We like date it. Yeah. You have to like yeah. date yeah. because the minute she was like, oh, did you get a partner? I knew. I was like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. so I was like, no but I'm still looking for one, you know, or I still want one. I wasn't like actively trying to find one. It just was like, I kind of knew it's what I wanted. And I kind of knew I wanted her to be my partner, but I just was like, maybe I just won't have one yet. Like I couldn't, it was, it was like, so then she was like, oh, like, okay, well, 
you know, I was like, I'm still looking. And I think I, I don't know if I said something like, would you be interested? And she was like, let's get coffee when I get back. And I was like, she left. <laughs> no, we both came um, to the coffee with like a list of things that are, are like hopes and dreams, essentially. Yeah. Like non-negotiables. Like, business? yeah, what would we want? Yeah. Tried to right. get, we really did approach. And I think that like that sort of leads in well, if. Yeah, of, yeah let's talk about it because I'm. I think listeners are super interested in yeah. Uh, what are co-founder best practices? So yeah, yeah, yeah. The, like, what are well, your agreements? Totally. Yeah. But I also would say the thing that we find is interesting is I think some of the horror stories you do hear about co-founder issues is mm -hmm. when people are friends first mm -hmm. and then the business is second because it really does make it challenging to make the best decisions for the company. Whereas like mm -hmm. Kristen and I became best friends after becoming like priority of like the business coming together because we saw so much positive synergy and the way that we are different. Yeah. And and we also see that a lot of co-founders that have problems is because they are too similar and they're, what their focus is, is almost like competing instead of complimenting. Yeah. And so we are always trying to find ways to support each other and like, but also stay out of each other's way a little bit because otherwise that's where you could have more issues than you need. Yeah. Like, I think it's really having that trust that this person is an expert in this place and I'm not, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm an expert in this place and they're not, and it's okay. And it, honestly, my background had a lot of strategy. Her background had a lot of creative, but we both kind of knew the things we really excelled in and what we were passionate about. And we were really able to, in those early conversations, basically say, listen, we're going to work through everything together, but you have final say in this area and I have final say in this area. And it's not personal. It's for the best deliverable. And I think like even in when we were saying, okay, yes, we're going to do this. We want the same things out of this business. Like um, we kind of decided let's put together an operating agreement that's pretty psycho. Like it's really long and details out all these scenarios because we weren't friends. And so, I mean, we were friendly, but like we weren't these best friends who were scared of like hurting each other's feelings. It was much more like, of course, this needs to happen for the business. But we also really liked each other and we knew down the line, who knows, you know, what could happen. If we have this on paper, we're good. We also went against best practices that everyone gave us, you know, recommendations on. And we, we went 50-50, which everyone's like, don't do that. Don't do that. But the truth is, like, I couldn't be 49 and neither could she. There's just no way. We needed it to be that we were equal partners. We also needed it to be that, like, I didn't move into her house. She didn't move into mine. We created something new. Um, and I think that was important. And I also think another thing that a lot of people don't do that we did that I think has actually made things easier for us is because, again, we were, it was pretty fast and new. I mean, it was pretty fast. Like, it was a couple months of talking before we made it official. And so we decided to keep our own businesses and have our businesses be the managing partners of this LLC. And that way mm -hmm. it felt a little safer in the beginning. Uh, we trusted each other, but also it was like, th it, there's a little bit of the separation where I don't have to give up my business just in case, it, including if I still right. want to do stuff outside. Right. Same with her. Now we're both fully committed to Heart and Highland, but at the time it was kind of like, yeah, well, I was still, still finishing stuff. up projects for a little mm -hmm. while. Yeah. yeah. And so we just really found that doing that, going 50-50, having that operating agreement, having decided our own lanes and not wanting the exact same things in terms of our day-to-day. -day. Like I wanted to focus in on campaigns, photography, videography, 
I wanted to keep going down that path. She loves the storytelling, the strategy. I remember one time I went over to her house early on and she was like, let's sit down and look at Facebook analytics together. And I was like, Mm -hmm. what? Like, (laughs) but she just was like, look how interesting this is. It's so cool. And like, I love data because it's important, but I don't love analyzing it like she does, which is great. You know, like it shouldn't be that we're both, we're both wanting to be photographers and then what happens? Yeah. So we really found that like those things and honestly not being friends first. I mean, I can't speak to people who have had great partnerships who have been best friends first, but I know for us, I feel like that made a big difference. Yeah. There was something that somebody, uh, one of Kristen's friends that we ended up um, talking to quite a few times, he had a co-founder and one of his other really big pieces of advice was to not harbor any like resentment if something happens like sort of really try and talk about it immediately because it will just fester like a messy yeah. wound yeah and it is true it's not always easy also and gross. like it's gross yes yeah. it's <laughs> gross. Gross. but um but I will say like that is we've had and we've had like it's not perfect like there's gonna be times perfect. where like we're gonna <laughs> something that happened we're humans and because you also get closer but at the end of the day like when people would say, why, how could you handle 50, 50? Cause you can't ever come to like, somebody has to have a final say. We both agreed that like, if something was that hard for us to come together on, we couldn't just figure it out. Then we would, we wouldn't have the company and it is yeah. what it is. Like, it's not, it, it just didn't make yeah. sense to us to have it any other way. And so it's worked for us. We just work through things. I just think like people are human. There's no way if I was, let's say 51 and she's 49, there's no way that wouldn't be brought into it if there was ever an argument. It would be brought into it. It would be like, well, I have 1% more. And so we're doing, you know, like it's just human nature, I think, at that point. And I just think we wanted it to be that we are 100% equals. We're also 100% equally accountable, right? It's not like, oh, you get to be a little more relaxed because you have less percentage. Because I've heard that too. And when I was talking to people, they were like, oh, you know, it can be hard is because they have less, they do less. We just wanted to be both all in for the most part. And I also think like the truth is our personalities are so complimentary, very different. But like my husband and her are basically the same person, which is great (laughs) for me because like I need more structure. I need someone to keep me a little bit more grounded. I need someone to be like, let's come a little bit back to reality and figure out how to actually execute this. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes she needs that push. Like she needs yeah. that like enlightenment. Let's jump off a little the cliff bit. a little bit. Yeah. I think kind of get out of that um, any sort of uh, – I remember really Kristen has definitely shaped some of my mindset over the years of, you know, mm-hmm. really letting go of any sort of scarcity. And I think, you know, being – like I moved out of my house really young. Like I said, the thing with with not finishing. Right. So there was There's been things where I've, you know, had a little bit of like – I've maybe it, I don't know if I call it a full on chip on my shoulder or anything, but I would say that there's a sense of like always just trying to work hard and make sure that like, you know, I wasn't going to be worried about finances or something. Yeah. And so that can put you in a place of maybe not making always the best decisions because you're coming from this scarcity mindset. Once you flip that, you know, I think language and you really are open to all possibilities, things have just kind of I don't know. They just keep working out. Yeah, like it's do. been pretty amazing. Yeah. And I mean, we like work our asses off. Yeah, of course. Sure. 
But I 100% believe that. And I always tell everyone, like, I would not if, – if for any reason we weren't partners, I would not have this business. I would not do this. Like, I will only do it with her. And one day if we end up having another business, I will only do it with her. Because I do feel like – well, one, I will say, honestly, in the five years, we've, like, barely had any fights. Yeah. They've happened. But if anything, when they happen, they're almost scarier because they never happen. And it's like, oh, my yeah. God, what's going on? But I also think, like – We've grown to like trust and love each other so much that if anything, being able to talk about it immediately helps our our friendship to grow, which then helps our trust to grow, which then helps us trust each other with our business decisions. Like it really is one of those things where like we don't have that resentment that sits and builds because we have put these things in place where it's like at the end of the day the business has to be separate from the friendship and the business kind of, not that it has to come first over the friendship, but like, that's why we started this whole thing. And so being able to be different has helped it flourish and being able to deal with those differences if there's ever a conflict immediately and honestly has helped us flourish. Yeah. So, absolutely. and then I think just at the end of the day, like shared values though, whether we're different, yeah. like yeah. all the things that we want that we, in terms of the future of the company, how much we value our team, you know, all of those things are the same. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Well, y'all are just the sweetest, cutest, bestest <laughs> co-founder couple. <laughs> um, well, there's so many, I have like so many things that I want to point out again for listeners. Yeah. I think yeah. to me, I'm a CEO coach, right? So I see a lot of like co-founding together and so much of what you've described is so useful. So first and foremost, it's so clear to me how much you respect one another. And I think with having a co-founder who you respect, meaning you both value their expertise, you take it seriously helps you both divide your responsibilities. So it sounds like Kristen is doing more of the creative and Erica is doing more of the strategic and you value each other's input in, in those areas and y'all are the decision makers for those respective areas. Not to say that you don't have those overlapping skills, but you each have your domains and you respect that about each other. But also the other thing with respect is you clearly are accountable. Y'all said this so many times, right? You put in the work, you want to show up for one another because you respect each other. And then you that builds on trust and love. On your point about at the beginning, having your own companies and then building and now having the managing partners manage Heart and Highland. I love that. I think trust is not something that you just like win like this. Trust is definitely built. And that helped you both build that trust. And I think that's such a great step. The 50-52, you know each other, you know yourselves well. And I think that's like wonderful that you decided that that's what's best for you. You clearly have really good communication where you're able to talk to one another, which is also just so helpful for any relationship that you're in, just being able to talk about disagreements as they come up. And that also builds the trust and respect that you need. And so like, these are full wonderful points and beautiful to see a relationship like that. Like emotional. I'm literally like, yeah. it's emotional. And then on top of that, it's so fun, right? Building with the co-founder to your points. It's it not is. as lonely. You yeah. can always call on someone. Like maybe Kristen is helping Erica not have as much of a scarcity mindset. You are stretching her. And then Erica's grounding Kristen when you need to look at the data. And it's just so complimentary. And you just have a friend to go through this with, which is so yeah. valuable. It's yeah, good for anyway. both the like hard stuff and then the good stuff because yeah, no one stuff. is gonna, yeah. no one's gonna be as excited about a, yeah. a new client or some other type of win yeah. than your partner because yeah. even yeah. 
just no one will. And to get to celebrate with someone who gets it and not I just have to. I think that was like one of the big things when I, because I, why I knew I wanted a partner was because my husband's wonderfully supportive, but like he's not in social and digital marketing and creative. Like he's in healthcare. Right. And so I'd be like this, this, this. And he'd be like, you're great. That's right. great. Like wonderful. <laughs> you should charge more. Great. And I'd be like, no, like you can't just tell me to charge more. You don't know what I'm talking about. And so it's like having someone who's just as obsessed with it as in it as, you know, dedicated as you are. That's yeah. like huge. I mean, even little dumb things. Honestly, we got a check the other day that said we overpaid to the IRS for like $200. And I was like, no! Like, <laughs> she's like, oh my gosh. You know, like it's these little dumb things that you're just like, no one else cares about this. Yeah, so yeah. it's exciting. Life is meant to be spent with people who you love and admire. And I just love that so much for y'all. It's wonderful. Yeah. Anna, so I'm going to cut back our questions. I want to ask you at the end how you design your lives today because I know you're both moms and I know there's more to you than just heart and Highland. So I want to keep time for that. But before that, let me ask, Talk, tell me or tell us in the audience about bootstrapping and that decision, the trade-offs, and then also yeah. about the agency life, just being a startup founder, right? So many folks yeah. can relate to this. It's like you switch from getting a stable income to now needing to get business. And then I know specifically in the agency business, that's also been a bit mm -hmm. of a roller coaster in the past mm -hmm. year with yeah. COVID. So just maybe what are the ups and downs of agency life? How do you handle that? Like what has worked for you? And then trade-offs with bootstrapping. Yeah. So I think ups and downs with agency life, we're service-based, right? And so it's, it's, you have, to, you're just very reactive all the time. And I think that that's hard when you're trying to plan ahead and you're going, like for me, what becomes really difficult is we look at these conversations we're having, we look at our pipeline, our projections, and you know, it's really healthy and we're in a great place. But my brain is like, but it's not a hundred percent. We don't know for sure. Like my dad, he's been a mentor to me for sure. And my mom in business. And every time I talk to them, they're like, babe, like your projections are great. You know, you're going to get this. And I'm like, I don't know. It's not known. Like nothing's known. Like, and so it's hard when we're looking at the conversations we're having. Of course, every client wants to start today. They want to start right away. When they come to you, it's like, great. Can we start next week? And we're like, uh, so it's hard to figure out. I think like for me, at least the most difficult part is the staffing where it's like, do we hire ahead so that they're ramped up and ready to go once we start with this client? Or do we take the risk of waiting and then there's this learning curve or the other risk of telling the client, no, we have to wait in two months. We have to wait for two months, you know, like, mm -hmm. and then risking potentially losing them. Because I think in the world of digital marketing and social, it used to be just social. Now I think it's like the world of all digital marketing. It's fast and crazy right. and everyone needed it yesterday. And you know, the expectations are through the roof in terms of how fast you can turn things around because people can do it, you know? And so, and I think especially with like the world of content, it's like you can have a freelancer do it for way less than what we do it for, honestly. Mm -hmm. So we're competing in a lot of different places. And I think like that forward planning is what can be stressful. Like our team is everything. We are who we are today. Like Heart and Highland is who we are today because of our team. And so it's thinking about how do we support them? We don't want to, I mean, I've gotten advice from other founders where it's like, you basically overload them until they're drowning and then you hire. That feels so bad. It's not <laughs> what we want. It's what no. other, it's not what all other agencies do, but it's what agency life is known for. And we've always really thought about like, what do we, where would we want to work? Like, what does this agency culture need to be, to be a place where we're not a typical agency? 
And so we've gotten a lot of feedback from people that we have too many, we have too many people on payroll. We have all full-time. We don't have any one contract, which is kind of unheard of in the agency world, but we really feel mm -hmm. like it's important because we're a team. They're dedicated. We also want to be able to give them benefits and all those things because we offer full benefits and, and you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people have also told us we're crazy because we hire right now only in LA, but that's because that once a month, we have everyone come together once a month in person. Yeah. That is so important to our culture. We found it builds so much trust. It's a big deal. We're, you know, we, we let people work remote for the most part, but that once a month connection is everything. And our team even connects outside of that because yeah. they want to. Yeah. Right. Um, and that makes a huge difference. But everyone's like, you're crazy for hiring in LA. You're crazy for hiring full time. A lot of people lately have been like, you should just hire all overseas. But we just really feel that this is important. This is who Heart and Highland is. And it's yeah. important to keep it that way. But it yeah. can be scary. It's we, scary. It sounds we, like you're leading with your values. And I yeah, really I would important. say so. And yeah, not leading yep. who you are as leaders and what's important to you and just yeah. leading mm -hmm. by that. Yeah. And and I think that we've always been measured in our growth and our decisions. Like we started off with in the very beginning with some freelancers because that's what we could afford to do. And the two of us were still taking on other projects. So like that bootstrapping was like a gradual switch to like then being able to, we needed enough to come in to support us. Yeah. So it was mm -hmm. the two of us with some very minimal freelance. We didn't like that experience. So we went with our first full-time W2 employee in 2020, February of 2020, really in the middle of something. Um, and slowly grew right as it needs since financially. We did not yeah. overextend ourselves ever. We kept our yeah. overhead really low and then grew as it made sense. We were really strategic along. We were way. running social accounts. Oh yeah. We were doing all work. this stuff. Yeah. Like we were, you know, yeah. fully part of it. And I think something that's important to note actually too, is we didn't start as an agency. We actually launched when we launched, we were like, it's just the two of us and we're going to be consultants. Mm -hmm. And over time, one of our clients that we had talked to or potential clients who was actually um, partake foods, she, Denise, who was wonderful, was like, I want you guys to be hands-on, like run this account. Yeah, she was too busy. And we had the experience doing that, but we were like, Are, is this what we're going to do? Like we just had a lot of people at that point basically say to us, because we're working with a lot of founder-led brands and they were smaller and they were like, we love the strategy. We don't have anyone to implement it. We now need you to implement it. And it was just the two of us. And we both had yeah. young kids and we're like, how are we going to do that? And so then it was like, well... Let's just listen to what our, the market's telling us. Like, I guess we're an agency now. Let's bring on some help. And so we started with freelancers, with people she actually had known. So it was a little more comfortable. Um, but like almost a month. I mean, it was like a very quick change. I don't remember exactly. It was just like, this is not it for us. Like, it just, they they were. And there were people I didn't know too. that we, There were people we, needed, we also didn't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it just wasn't working. Like for what we both wanted this to be, it just wasn't working. And um, I think when we started bringing on full time, that was the moment that we were like, oof, this feels good. Like this feels right. Mm -hmm. And I remember actually, it's so funny. I was like super pregnant with my second child. And I remember posting on my Instagram story being like, we hired an employee. Because we couldn't believe that we were honestly bringing in enough to pay someone else. Yeah. Like that and was ourselves. crazy. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was required. Like there yeah. was no, no, I, 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 both of us needed to have an income to contribute yeah. to. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah. We just, and I think with the decision of being bootstrapped, it, it wasn't like a, 
what do we do? Should we ever, it was, I, we just didn't even consider anything else. Honestly, no. we both were like for the, for the operating agreement, our lawyer was like, you each have to put an amount to be 50, 50 to like show it's real. And we we're like, well, let's each put in a hundred dollars. And like, <laughs> that's how we're going to start this. We're going to each put a hundred dollars into this company. And honestly, like, awesome. again, I don't want to act like it didn't. And you just had business from the beginning. We just did. It just went. It just it went. Just went. Yeah. Like it felt, we both talked about the fact that when we officially partnered and we signed that paperwork, we literally were like, there is an energy shift. Like mm-hmm. it felt different. And I do think again, in terms of partners, you know, there's like a lot of solopreneurs out there and I'm always like, I don't know how you do it. I can never do it because walking into a room, knowing at least one person has my back, no matter what, it makes a big difference. It really does. Yeah. I feel like I can say anything, you know what I mean? Because like I have someone in there backing me up versus yeah. trying to do it all on your own. It's hard. And so I think with the bootstrap, we, we didn't really think about it going into it. As we started to grow, we did see that there are other agencies out there that would be considered maybe our competitors, even though we kind of do different things that had investment. And we saw how fast they could hire. And we saw the level of the hires they were able to do and all this stuff. And on one hand, it was like, damn, like, that would be cool if we could just be like, here's cash, come on board. But the truth is, I think that it's felt so much better knowing that we've like promoted people, we've given increases. We don't, yeah, no one else owns the company. We actually had someone approach us last year to acquire us. And we ended up, we decided not to at this time. It just felt too soon. We weren't really ready for it. But it was very exciting. One thing, it was, that's exactly it. And one thing that we found, though, that they did say was the fact that we did own 100% of it. That was important to them. And that was a big deal. And we were like, huh, okay, cool. Like, we do think, I actually, at this point, who knows what's going to happen, you know, with Heart and Highland years and years and years from now. But if selling it is something that we want to do, we want to try and hold on to as much of it as we can to do that. And so far, knock on all the wood, we've not needed any investment, which is cool. So we're going to stay bootstrapped. It's such a great position to be in to to own everything. And I think that yeah. also really empowers you both to lead with yeah. your values, which yeah. is always important. It's a slower build for sure. It's a slower build, but for us, it's worth it. Yeah, it's slower, but maybe a little bit more thoughtful and dedicated in, mm. in how you're doing it. All right. This was amazing for me. I want to ask you one last question yeah. before I let you go. I'm so curious how you design your lives today. Ask this of each our guests, each of our guests, because it's also a lot of what I do in my practice. And so when I say designing your lives, meaning how are you living by design instead of by default? And what is important to you? What are you prioritizing in your lives today? You go. Um, yeah, I, I would say it's not, it's not always a straight line by any means. I mean, there's like these last two nights I was up super late working on projects, which is not good and not Q4, Q4 baby. But normally my goal is to work out at least four times a week, maybe five, six. Health health. is huge. Um, yeah, that if you can prioritize that, I feel like you are leaps and bounds ahead of feeling like you're putting yourself last. So even if that's Mm -hmm. the one thing I always loved, um, like the seven habits of highly effective people. And like, one of the things that's always been important is like getting that workout in, like making your bed, like those little things to me are important. Um, and you know, I think keeps me nicer to the people in my life. I think, you know, and then having gratitude, like I have like a gratitude practice, like that I do, I journal, like I think, you know, spending time 
not working, you have to at least have a little bit of time, you know, so carving out just time away, but that way when you're in it, you're in it. And Mm -hmm. I think surrounding ourselves with support of people in our lives, because you really are the people you're closest to and that you spend the most time with. So being conscious about that energy of those people and all those things, I think is really important. And celebrating like the wins that we have and, you know, trying to get like look past things that are challenging because if you dwell, I think I do really believe like you are kind of what you think and like your thoughts become things and all of those things I believe in. And I think if we can stay like looking towards the future and and then just carving out a little time for ourselves as we go along, I think that's that's where I'm at today. I, I yeah. do think it's a busy time of year, but that's me living, you know by some form of design, I guess. Beautiful. I would say, so the, for me, the goal I have every day for things is outside of like spending time with my family, of course, and my kids and my husband is getting enough sleep, working Mm -hmm. out. How much is enough sleep for you? I need like eight to nine hours. Like I am like one of those people that if I, and I'm lucky that my husband is very understanding of it. He will get up early with our dog. It's our dog who gets up early, honestly. Like, oh. like that's the problem. <laughs> we have a puppy. Um, so he's the one. He likes to get up early. He's a morning person. I'm a night person kind of vibe. Um, and so it, it just – it works out. But, like, we all know I need – everyone in my life knows I need the eight hours. Like, I'm just that <laughs> human. But um, so I try and, like, make sure I go to sleep early. And I also take certain supplements to make sure that, like, helps my sleep cycle and all that kind of stuff. Um, but so for sure, getting enough sleep, working out, reading every day, even if it's a little bit and meditating, like those are the things I'm striving for every day. I don't always hit them, but if I can get all four, it's a good ass day. If I can get Mm -hmm. some, like, I feel really like happy about that. It really affects me if I don't get any, um, especially the sleep. And I would also say definitely making sure, I mean, my kids are little right now. They're six and four. But they're at the age where they're making those memories. And I feel like that's very important to me. So like even yesterday, for example, we were on set. It's Q4, so it's like literally hectic. But we were on set yesterday and I purposely made sure in the morning I have a nanny who I'm so thankful for, um, especially for my four-year-old because preschool germs. He's been out sick with RSV for like a week now. Um, But in the morning, I made sure that I spent time like running up and down the street with him in his little wagon. And we had those like anchoring moments and moments of connection. And like in my mind, I knew I was technically giving up, you know, either reading or working out or whatever it might be because I wanted to do that before going. But really those moments of connection are everything. I feel like as I've gotten older, I've definitely become more spiritual, not religious, but spiritual. And a huge piece of that is really, I think, seeing my life and being just so grateful for it. I mean, I literally every day I'm just like trying to take that step back and just being so grateful for everything that I have. And so I think that mindfulness each day of taking that moment, anchoring with my kids, anchoring with my husband. I mean, like even little things like my husband loves to watch shows together. It's like his love language. And so last night, I'm like, I should be editing, but instead I'm just going to have to do it. You know, I'll figure it out. And like, we're going to watch this show together because it's like important to him. Also weekly date night. That's been a big deal. I will say very important. Um, But yeah, I feel like 
we're trying to do the best we can. Again, it's a funny time because it's Q4. Yeah. That's but okay. most of the time, and then I think honestly, let's be honest, hugely relying on our team. I think yeah. especially with the fact that we have kids. Like this morning before this, I was at my kids' Thanksgiving play. Um, which was like so cute and great, but I was basically MIA until like 1030 and I just knew my team was going to handle it and take care of it and relying on each other for that. Like no one else, you know, will understand in terms of our company, what we're going through in terms of running this business and having kids like we will. So kind of having each other to go to, to be like, Oh, like I need, I, you know, I need to take this time to be with my kids. I think we both really encourage each other to be doing that or taking the time to be with like our partners or whatever it might be. It's like, hey, listen, this is more important. Like work is not more important than that, you know, and supporting each other there, I think, is is an important way that we try to design our lives with our company. Sounds like you're designing for those magical experiences and prioritizing them. And then I yeah. love that you both mentioned gratitude. I feel so much gratitude for getting to know you both better and having you on the pod. This was lovely. Thank you, thank yeah, you for thank coming you for on. Me. I'm going to have to have you on another time to go over a next, a part B of this. I would love it. This was lovely. I know we need to run. So thanks for coming on and we'll chat with you soon. Thank, thank you so you. much for having us. Thanks for having it was us. such a joy. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like what you hear, leave a review and share.